Challenges remaining live from Rome. Buongiorno, Courtney. Buongiorno. Is it a little echoey in here? We apologize if it is. We are in, well, we're not inside the Foro Italico in Rome. No. But we are near the Foro Italico and it's kind of echoey. I kind of remember last time we did this show, we did a show when you were in Rome and I wasn't. I think the acoustics were interesting. So. Yes. This is what it sounds like in Rome. This is what this is this is what podcasts sounded like in ancient Rome. I think that's right. This is pretty much how Caesar used to do it. I think so. Yeah, so. Caesar, and this is like the voice of uh, Jupiter. Sure. Yeah, let's go with that. Mm-hmm. He's Jupiter. That's Zeus in Roman, right? Yeah, I think so. Anyway, so on this show, we're going to talk about the WTA final coming up in Madrid. First of all, let's get right to that, Courtney. Maria Sharapova, Simona Halep doing things on dirt, getting to the final of the premier mandatory in Madrid. I think it's a bigger tournament than most people realize in terms of the scale. It's on par with only Indian Wells, Miami, and Beijing as one of the four on the step below the slams for the women. So it's a big event, and it's had some pretty good matches so far and should be a good one tomorrow. So what, what are your thoughts on, on Madrid so far? how it sets up for this final? Uh, well, going into this week, this was definitely the match that I thought was going to happen in the finals. You did pick this I one. did pick this match. Explain it and then brag at the same time, please. <laughs> They're both, it's, it's really the same thing. She looks so yeah, proud. I if know, you can see so her, she looks so smug. I'm beaming, just like Caesar. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I think that a lot of it just really was quite simple. I kind of thought that Serena would be a bit, um, you know, rusty in her first tournament from, from Charleston. I don't think that I really knew what to expect from her, so I wasn't going to bank on her, even though at the end of the day, if she had eventually made this final, it wouldn't have surprised anyone. But at the same time, I think right now with the WTA, when you look at the two best dirt ballers, yep. you really do have to maybe say pure, I mean, weirdly, the pure dirt ballers, it really kind of is, Maria Sharapova, yes, Maria, cow on ice, Sharapova, and Simona Halep. And uh, obviously Ivanovich is in there a little bit with based off of her form and, and what she did in Stuttgart. But so these two were really the, the, the ones that I thought would get here. I think that Halep had a nice rest after Indian Wells. Not rest necessarily because she was a little bit injured. Um, and that's why she pulled out of Madrid and, and didn't play very much yeah. coming into here. Um, but I think that for her, that helped. And I, I like how she's kind of been handling her schedule. So that was, and then just looking at the draw and the matchups, I really thought that the, the, the one that the one matchup that I had a hard time calling was the Sharapova Lena quarter. Right. That was kind of a, a pick em for me, but I went with Sharapova because she's kind of owned Lena on, on clay ever since that uh, she lost to her at Roland Garros when Lena won in 2011. Right. And has really not had too many problems with Lena and beat her here in Rome a few years ago as well in a, a very wet and heavy three-set grind fest, which yeah. was an amazing match, actually. So yeah, so that was kind of a little bit of my mentality um, and, and what I thought, and I think Ben and I, you and I, were speaking about this last uh, last night over dinner, that, that you know this was kind of the semifinal that we kind of wanted to see, or I'm sorry, the final that we wanted to see. I think so. I think these two players do big things. By the way, that dinner, just to go back <laughs> a bit... The, mo- the mozzarella, if you're ever in Rome and w- like cheese, this is a good place for you. FYI. I'll leave it at that. I don't need to go too much more into it. Working on my night cheese. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, so these two, like you said, they are the two sort of, obviously Serena has not lost much on red clay. Really, I think she's only lost one match in the last two years on red clay. Or three years, even going back to 2012. It was just the Rosano match. 
Uh, so that's it for her. And so she's obviously a force on all surfaces, but when it comes to people who click on Clay, Halep is one of them, and it's weird for Halep because Halep really started her renaissance last year in Madrid. She got a wild card from the tournament director, Ian Tiriak, who is Romanian and gives Romanians wild cards on both the men's and women's side. Romania forever! Pretty much. It seems that way for him especially. It's an interesting sort of outpost tournament. It's like this weird <laughs> enclave of Romanian-ness in Spain. He gives them to Spanish players too, but Romanians always get some love. I think Begu got one. I think Marius Copil got one on the men's side. And did well. And did well, yeah. So, I mean, I think and what Halep said about that is that it was a boost for her confidence getting a wild card, even if she probably knew there was some home cooking involved there. That last year really made her feel like a relevant player, like worthy. And even though she lost first round to Dominguez Lino, it really spurred her on in Rome qualies. This time last year, she was playing in qualies, which is going on now in Rome. And uh, she beat Hantakova in qualies and then blitzed uh, Kuznetsova in the first round. And I want to say beat Ravonska later on. So yeah, that tournament really turned her year around. She's gone all the way from, I think, 66 to Five. She'll be number four if she wins the final. And like I was saying at the beginning of this ramble, uh, she made her move without doing most of her best stuff on clay, which is her best surface. So this sets her up really well for the clay, the business part of the clay schedule. Madrid, obviously, she's already banked on. Rome, which has a lot of points to defend, but not a big... She made up for it by making the final of yeah. Madrid, took the pressure off for that. And then uh, French Open will be her big chance. I mean, people as early as last fall, I think, when she won Sofia, we're saying she's a French Open dark horse. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of pure clay quarters in this era. Maria Sharapova on clay is something. It's, it's something. It's a thing. It's, it's, a it's thing. confusing, it's but a, there's no way that you can look at the statistics anymore. You know, I think that sometimes when we talk about Sharapova as being kind of this clay goddess as she is weirdly now that we kind of do it with a wink wink nudge nudge like yeah it's kind of a punchline but it's not anymore I mean it's been since 2000 before 2012 she's only lost to Serena on the surface I mean that is ridiculous it's ridiculous that's a ridiculous string and and going back just uh, touching briefly on Halep you mentioned rightfully so that you know she was able to make that ranking ascension really not on her best surface and it's also not based off of her results at the slams last year her slam results were horrible she got hosed on a few draws and, and just really didn't perform well and this year we obviously only have one slam in the bank but she performed well at the Australian Open making yeah. the quarterfinals so great opportunity here and it's really nice to see her have the year that she had last season and back it up yeah. um, and I think that that was one of the big questions going into 2014 is Simona Halep for real yeah. and I think that she's established that she is I think I definitely agree with that I also think that getting a win over Sharapova at a big tournament this would further cement that. She kind of lacks that one real point to it victory against a top player at a big tournament. The only one that you can point to is Ravonska earlier this year in Dubai. Right. Or Doha, I'm sorry, when yeah. she made the when she won the cutter open. But, but Doha's a little bit less than the uh, under the microscope. It is, and it's with all due respect to Radvanska, who we love and who is amazing, it doesn't count. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah. you need that, that go-to win, and that means beating an Azarenka, that means beating a Serena, that means beating a Sharapova. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So we'll see how it shakes out. Courtney, when all said and done, who wins tomorrow? I am going to have to go with Maria Sharapova's clay court record over the course of the last two years and just go with her because if Halep wins, she'll be that's the anomaly, is if Halep wins. So, so I'm going to go with Sharapova. Uh, yeah. Add, I mean, 
Maria Sharapova holding up that uh, that trophy, bring it on. It would be impressive for Sharapova too because she would have then she hasn't won Beijing, I don't think, has she? I don't remember her winning that now. So, but she would have won two of the four uh, mandatories after making finals in Beijing before and also in Miami several times. So, add more laurels to her trophy case. Um, she tends to win things one time mostly in terms of slams anyway. Uh, I would pick, I think I'll pick Halep because Halep hasn't played Sharapova in a few years, hasn't played since 2012, lost to her two times in tough straight sets, both times, but straight sets, but hasn't really seen, Sharapova hasn't really seen Halep 2.0. Halep 2.0, which is so different. Such so different. Upgrade. So many bugs in the original. So many bugs. And now it's just weirdly humming. efficient. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we'll see how that goes, and it should be a fun one. Should be. Back to Sharapova, because I think we, just to study the Claypova phenomenon more, <laughs> Sharapova absolutely rolled today in, with, with an intermission. It was really strange. She was up 6-1-3-0. On Redvanska. On Redvanska, just dominating her. Then lost four games in a row, and it was confusing, and then went back to dominating. It was like, oops, I took a brief siesta there yeah. in Madrid, which is culturally appropriate. I guess. Yeah. yeah. So, and actually, she called uh, her coach, Sven Gronefeld, down after she dropped those four straight games, and uh, it actually worked out. She didn't lose one after that, rolled through, won the last three, and closed out the match. So, you know, again, another good win for Sharapova, but I think a good week for Radvanska. I think, no, totally. you know, on, on her play. worst surface to make semifinals in Madrid, which is going to be the clay tournament that you would think Radvanska would do well at. It's a little bit quicker. It's, it's at altitude, yeah. you know, things like that. So for her to, to kind of deliver, I mean, I like that about Agnieszka Radvanska, that she does, for the most part, deliver at the tournaments that you think that she should deliver at. Yeah, she doesn't flame out early a lot. And she had a, a couple of tough early matches, beat Jeannie Bouchard, beat Svetlana Kuznetsova in a crazy third set tiebreak match. Yeah, uh, saving three match points in a row. I believe that's correct. Yeah, to, yeah. To, to beat uh, Kuznetsova in that third set tiebreak. And it's actually, interestingly, supposed to uh, may face Bouchard again in the second round here in Rome. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty interesting. It's a pretty similar kind of draw. I think in Rome, uh, basically people could have in the Serena quarter again. Different half for Sharapova, I think. I'm not 100% sure on that. but Sharapova's in Serena's half. Okay, there you go. So they might meet earlier. But Serena, briefly, while we're t- mentioning her, she pulled out uh, after playing three rounds, mm-hmm. um, after beating Bencic, really kind of destroying Bencic yeah. in, a bizarre, in a match that I did not think would be as lopsided as it was. And Martina Hingis was watching from uh, the... Benchich box because obviously Benchich has been coached by Martina's mom, uh, M- Melanie Molitor, and I think I was just sort of like, this must look sort of familiar for <laughs> for Pingus seeing these second serves, especially just get pounced on. I mean, they don't keep it as an official stat that often, except for sometimes TV networks do. The number of return winners Serena hit in that match must have been over ten. Yeah. That's, which is incredible. Anyway, but Serena pulls out, uh, says she's still hoping to play Rome. She's in the draw still. Pulled out with a left thigh injury, to yeah, be specific. Yeah, a new injury, as far as we know. It was taped up. It wasn't taped up against Benchik, but it was taped up in her second round and third round matches, and then that is the injury that's been cited. So we'll see if she plays Rome. She's on her way. She'll do press and, and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, and, and she has not an easy draw, an interesting draw. Um, could slate it to, to face Sloane Stevens in the third round, which would be fun. First play um, meeting for them. Yeah, and uh, second round potentially Andrea Petkovic. This is a um, fun draw. Yeah, it's a fun draw, and so hopefully we'll see uh, Serena here, and, and then she'll play. And um, she is the defending champion in Rome. So, but if she does again, I mean, it's kind of the I don't know the state of the WTA these days. 
if Serena's in the draw, she's the favorite. Yeah. And if she pulls out, it becomes very interesting, particularly on clay, because then you really do kind of have to shade towards a, a Sharapova making the final and then some sort of clay uh, stalwart in the other half making the final. So regardless of surface, is Maria Sharapova right now, do you think, let's say you can factor surface in and then not, is Maria Sharapova the favorite to win every match she plays that's not against Serena? Is she back there yet? On any surface, no. Okay. On clay, I still, you know, it's really hard for me, even though, like I said, even though it's kind of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge thing, this whole clay pova phenomenon, and you look at the statistics and you can't begrudge any of them, because it's, a, I mean, we're not talking about a small data set at this point, yeah. we're talking about a significant data set to show that she doesn't lose to anybody other than Serena on this surface. There is a part of you that links back to, you know, that crazy three-setter in 2000 and. 12 against, was it Zakopalova at the French Open, that mm-hmm. heavy, heavy day yeah. that she barely survived yeah. and then went on to win. She has these three set matches that are tough and she does get through them and I think that that's a credit not necessarily to her like clay court prowess but to her fight which is something that I think I've always said is second to none um, in the WTA. You know, I mean, it's, it's the way that she competes and the way that she just wants the win. Yeah. Um, she kind of almost wills herself and I think on this surface that makes such a huge difference it's such a mental edge so I guess if I had to say yes or no I'd say yes but with a little bit of a question mark yeah. and just on the competitive <laughs> edge I mean the one match of hers against Stoser that was impressive just because Sam was playing really well Sam quietly has had a pretty she okay clay season she routed Sibokova in the first round of uh, Rome Sibokova's obviously had a great year and a pretty good clay quarter herself so the, but a horrible matchup for Sibylkova. Stozer's never lost to her. I think she's now 3-0 and against Sibylkova. The kick serve Sibylkova has no idea what to do with. It's over her head. It's a huge kick serve. It kicks even bigger on clay. Yeah. And unfortunately, Dominica does not get taller on clay. No. So it's just it's, it's a tough matchup for her. So, yeah, it wasn't a completely surprising win to me for Sam. But, um, yeah, no, you're right. Stozer's had a very quietly solid uh, clay court season. And I think going into the French... She's one of those players that I look at to see where you're going to get drawn. And if are you going to play a seed, you can bust a draw Yeah, you know, early. We talk about Madrid. I mentioned earlier that it's the premier mandatory. Not hasn't always been that way. I and mean, it's, it's a pretty new tournament as mm-hmm. a clay tournament. It's only been around since 08, mm-hmm. I want to say, as a mandatory event. And we've talked before about how it's not always the most indicative of other clay success. I mean, what kind of asterisks do you think should be applied to this or because it is these two clay stalwarts making the final less so than usual how do you how do you feel about the madridness of this whole thing i think it's the 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 latter i think that because of who made the final i don't i would actually look at the madrid results a little bit more closely and um and especially like even just who made the quarterfinals and the semifinals i mean i think that players like ikavitova who we haven't mentioned yet who uh who uh, Radvanska, I'm sorry, Halep beat today. Uh, I think this was a very successful tournament for yeah. her, making the semifinals. But again, this is going to be a tournament like Radvanska that she should do well at on clay. You know, it, it's at altitude. It favors her game. Basically, if you're kind of a hardcore player, this is going to be the tournament that you do well in. Azarenka has made the final of Madrid. Wasicki had, a, had, a, yeah. had her best tournament so far this year in uh, Madrid, which is not saying much. She won two rounds mm-hmm. and then pushed, took a set off Halep. So... Yeah, so it definitely 
bring some different people. Yeah, but but the fact that it is Sharapova, and, and even like last year with Serena winning, and she, I think Maria made, making the final, you know, that didn't seem like an asterisk type of result. The asterisk type of results are when you see like a, a Thomas Burdick made the final here on blue clay once, yeah. you know what I mean? That sort of thing, you're like... Berdasco ah. beating it all yeah. in Madrid, on, again on blue. Yeah, you know, a Dimitrov beating a Djokovic here, you know, yeah. like the, those sorts of things. You know, you look at a little bit with a question mark, but, you know, I don't think that this year there's much of an asterisk, and I would, I would expect a Sharapova and a Halep to do well in Rome if they play it. I would expect them to do well at the French Open, and I think that the winning the series of matches in Madrid for Sharapova, winning in Stuttgart and Madrid, uh, you know, 10 straight, what is it, 9 straight, 10 straight matches at this point? I, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's huge, and that's, you know, you got to go into the French more so than any other slam, in my opinion, with confidence knowing that you can win on this specific surface because players can go into Wimbledon cold. The top players do. Everyone's fairly cold at Wimbledon. Everybody's cold yeah. at Wimbledon because it's freezing in Britain. But also, <laughs> they come in without playing too and many they're so hungry. They're so hungry. Uh, but they go in. They're hungry. They're tired. They're poor. They're huddled. And they win. You know, and same you see it's the Aussie. A lot of players go into the Aussie unprepared. Pretty much impossible to go into the U.S. Open unprepared because of the U.S. Open series swing before. Right. But in Australia, actually, you don't go in that unprepared because you have the whole offseason to get ready. Yeah, but I always think back to Serena's crazy win there where yeah. she like went in and just destroyed the field. Um, but I do think that at the French, very rare, I, I can't think of a champion at the French recently who came in and was like, oh, wow, you've been playing absolutely crappy and you won the French. Yeah. Like Lina, who was like probably the biggest surprise winner of the tournament in the last few years, had a great Rome, had a good Madrid. She, she was leading up pretty well. Stozer, when she's made the final and, and done well there, she's done well in the lead-ups. Ronnie, when she made the final out of nowhere, even she won Budapest, and I want to say one other tournament, right. a smaller one Those wins that. absolutely matter, and you have to have confidence on this surface. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that it will, it will do well. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens this week in Rome as well. But, uh, but Madrid, I think I've learned a lot from this week in Madrid, seeing the results, and, and more so than I feel like in the past I've learned. That's fair. You mentioned, we mentioned the blue clay. I wanted to ask you briefly about that. <laughs> I know, I'll come at this way. I know that you're a big fan of tennis photos. On Beyond the Baseline, you do a lot of photo posts, and you have just an appreciation for tennis photography that I think is uh, more than most tennis writers. Sure. When you see the blue clay photos, don't you miss it? <laughs> Aren't they great? The blue, they look so good. They look so good. No, I mi- but I miss it for its novelty. Right. But it's not novel. It's, it happens all the time. It's just one time a year we play on blue stuff, and no. it's weird. Oh, I want it back so no. badly. No. I miss it. No. I was watching TV the other day, watching Madrid, and I was like, hmm, wish this was blue. But here's the thing, okay? Yes, the, the yellow ball against the blue clay looks cool, and it's much a better contrast than the yellow ball against the red much clay. Better. Absolutely, don't argue with that at all. But there's something about when you look at a tennis photo that occurs on red clay, there's an earthiness, a warmth, Mm-hmm. That, warm, yeah. that that really comes through and that's what I love about red about clay photos the blue okay. is like cool like from like this weird artistic which I think fits in with the whole Madrid vibe though yeah. the whole like haha thing yeah yeah that magic box um of stuff uh yeah no I just it doesn't work for me but you know that's just me I I just it I Aesthetically, I understand that it, it visually, I mean, like for TV, it's so much better. You can see the ball 
huge. Photos, I think, looks cool too because it's like photos blue were cool and it's texture too. I think the texture shows a lot better. In it the does, blue. it does. But I think to me, clay court tennis is earthy tennis. It shouldn't look like it's being played in the future or on Mars, and that's what the blue clay does. And so it's fun, but like as like a weird exhibition in the corner of the museum, right. not the museum itself. Okay. Well, I am a crusader for it always. I think they should first bring it back on the challenger circuit, which is what they should have the first time, and get it right. I just think that it's not worth abandoning. I think, it, I think it's hasty saying the blue is the problem, get rid of it. And I will say people have said the clay is much better in Madrid this year. It's the best it's ever been because it became a clay tournament. There's no complaints because even before the blue, let's remember, it wasn't always the one the players enjoyed most at all. So this year it seems to be... Up to snuff and everyone's well, happy. And this, and this, I will say this, and this was one of the criticisms that I had about the blue clay back when it was initially rolled out, is that, especially once the players started to complain, everybody's like, oh, it's so slippery. Look, I don't have a problem with change. I like change. But if you're going to roll something out, it has to be perfect, especially something so revolutionary like it's that. So visible. And I think that the problem was that it wasn't really play-tested enough to, re- to phase in, and so it felt very haphazard, and then when you lose the confidence of the players, you're done. Yeah. So it may have been a great, like maybe like if they stuck it in the incubator for a little bit longer and trusted it at a ta- challenger tournaments and yeah. you know kind of got the players used to it and used to the idea, look, this is gonna happen, we're gonna make sure that it is the best that it yeah. can possibly be, then great. But let's not, but yeah, what you said was right. Let's not pretend that red clay is always perfect. Like remember Monte Carlo, was it last year or two years ago, where there was a bunch of problems in the back of the court. Juan Monaco, I think, tore up his ankle sliding. Does, yeah. But, um, you know, falling and sliding. A few other players as well. I feel like somebody hurt their elbow really yeah. badly falling. That's so, the thing, Madrid, even despite all the complaints, Madrid had no injury pullouts in 2012 when there was the blue clay. No retirements, no withdrawals, nothing. Which is sure, remarkable. but that's not cause and effect, though. I'm not, and the sample size is too small. Anyway, I think people blamed it. When they, whenever they fell down, they were like, oh, I fell down because it's blue, not I fell down because I always fall down on clay. And everyone does. Anyway, that's me off my soapbox. Last thing before we let you go on this mini mid-Madrid magical box episode. Tonight, something else is magical. It's happening. How excited are you to watch Eurovision with me, Courtney? I don't think that I'm watching Eurovision with you, Ben. I think you are. I think that it's Saturday night in Rome, and I think that I'm maybe not going to sit in front of a computer and watch Eurovision at 9 o'clock on a Saturday in Rome. The TVs in the media center get the channel where Eurovision's playing. I suggested it last night to just watch it in the media center. You were the one that didn't want to do it. No, so. I'm totally game with that. Let's do it. I'm not committing to anything. Anyway, so we'll leave you with some of the sounds of it. Thank you guys for listening as always. And if you want to follow along with us when you're not listening, you can follow us onto Facebook, facebook.com slash NCR podcast. Also on Twitter, twitter.com slash NCR underscore tennis. And then you can subscribe to us on iTunes and plug in our RSS wherever you want for your heart's content. And that's all for this time. See you in Rome. Ciao, Courtney. Ciao. Cause you wanna know me today And you have got to see To believe From the fading light I fly Rise like a phoenix Out of the ashes Seeking rather than vengeance Retribution you Transformed once I'm re-
down, but I'm gonna fly.